Welcome to season two of the Love Good Podcast, where you learn how to love what is good so you can become what you love and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by our patrons, a community of intentional consumers who curate music and books based on the transcendentals of beauty, truth, and goodness. Join us each week as we sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about media, culture, and what it means to be human. We're so happy you're here. Welcome to the Love Good Podcast, everybody. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 4. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell. In just a few moments, I'll be sitting down with Alana Boudreaux. I get the privilege every other week of sitting down with her as my co-host to continue these conversations about media, culture, and what it really means to be human. Make sure you stay tuned. At the very end of the show, I'm going to be announcing some very exciting events that are coming up in Atlanta, St. Louis, Tampa, Chicago, in fact, Rome, Italy, of all places. And if you are interested in getting involved, hosting an event, or just coming out to even one of our intimate fireside house concerts, stay tuned for the end. Uh, that's going to be a really exciting moment. So anyways, today I get to sit down with Alana here in just a few moments. And I kept bringing the conversation back to beer, coffee, ice cream. I mean, there's only a few things in life that just don't make any sense to me. Okay. For example, non-alcoholic beer, decaf coffee, reduced fat ice cream. These things don't have a category in my brain, right? And actually, I think this is important because we forget to be intentional in what we consume. We just kind of fall into a lack of intentionality. And you know, if you're anything like me, anything like Atlanta, sometimes you just become a cynic or you become numb. And actually, most of us maybe deep down are just thwarted romantics, right? Uh, But what does it look like to raise our standard for media, to even have a standard But then to let that spill over into our lives, to spill over into our family, our friend group, our culture around us, that's a big deal. And that's what today's conversation is all about. It's what Love Good is all about. We're just honored that you're listening. Hope you guys really are having an amazing day wherever you find yourselves on planet Earth. We'll be back in just a few moments with Alana Boudreaux. I can talk all right. You can talk all right. Love what is good, and uh, this is Jimmy Mitchell, your host, sitting down as I always do every other week with the one and only Alana Boudreaux. The singing banana, Alana Banana. Well, this is important, actually. I remember we have a good friend, Matt Marr, when he first kind of launched his much more public career. His website said Marr is in car. Oh, because everybody was pronouncing it wrong. Okay, Mayhar, Mayhar, yeah. And your first name unfortunately has a similar effect. Yes, of confusing a lot of people. Yeah, not even confusing. They just presume it's something other than what it is. Well, yeah, it's a weird. I I think it must be like a regional thing. Like because these language patterns must be so deeply ingrained in a brain that like because someone will be like, "What's your name?" I'm like Alana. They're like Alana. I'm like no, Alana. They like, like can't even hear the difference. No, almost. exactly. You know, yeah. or they just. Like oh, one yeah. guy at Starbucks, a, a barista, I went up and I like, 
I looked him dead in the eye and I was like, Alana. <laughs> and then he wrote on the cup, Alala. Like there wasn't oh, even an no. N in there. Like, and I, so to me, it's just, so I usually fall uh, back on the, it's like Atlanta without the T's. Yeah. Or Atlanta banana. Yeah. But that's, the Atlanta thing is more, um, it seems to be more effective across yeah. the board. So the, the worst I ever get is, Jim, which is still mildly accurate. Um, Do you, you don't like being called Jim? One person on planet Earth was allowed to call me Jim, and that was my grandmother, God rest her soul. Okay. All right? I don't like the name Jim. Makes me think that I'm old and fat. <laughs> But I, sorry to all the gyms out there who are old and fat. That's, <laughs> but that's know, what makes me think, you know, I just don't want to be gym yet. Right. I'll get there one day. It's I'll be old like, and fat. Like my son, Louis, like I don't want him to be called Louis, but yeah. there is a family member who has a really thick New Jersey accent. And he's like, hey, Louis. Hey, and you're stuck. And yeah. it's like, no, but he can do it. It's okay. Because it's like you're from yeah. New Jersey. Yeah. You can call him Louis. And like it's it works. I but it's just one of those things, you know, you gotta pick your battles. I agree. And Granny used to sign her emails, don't forget to eat your veggies, comma, love Granny. And uh, I thought, well, you know what? She cares. She does care. You know, you know. And she was a beautiful soul. So she can call me Jim all day long. <laughs> My poor friend Caleb, on the other hand, was in England this past summer. He's a total Tennessee boy. Yeah. They're not used to hearing that name in England at all, right? They have a lot of callums. For example, oh, yeah. uh, Caleb is literally uh, another language to them. So they just couldn't get Caleb out in their beautiful British accent. It was always Caleb or something ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, British people call me Alana, but that's like okay. You, you know, feel right they, about they, that. They, they can't get Alana. Like it's like, it's just harder. Yeah. For some reason, it's almost like they can't enunciate it, which makes sense to me because I've met people from other countries who, whose names just like I cannot. Mm wrap my tongue around or something. I totally. can't quite get it out. So, But names know. are important. Just like words are in, important. They, they formulate yeah. ideas. Yeah. And ideas have consequences. Yeah. Just like names are realities because people are reality, you know? One last thing on the names. What does James mean? I have you know? no idea. Really? I really don't know. One of my best friends just named her son James Colby. and uh, I'm going to look it up. Meaning of James. Yeah. I have no clue. Um, I should know. There's definitely something to do with like a son of thunder back in the day. A classic boy's name derived from the Hebrew name Jacob. It means Jacob. Supplanter. Supplanter. Yeah, no, now this sounds familiar. Mean? Exactly. One I, who follows, it says. <laughs> Which I wouldn't say. <laughs> I don't follow You up. seem to be the one who's yeah. leading the charge a lot of the time. That Feels seems more that to be way. your temperament. I'd like to think that. You know, you have to know how to follow well to lead well. But yeah. I'm a bit of a stubborn entrepreneur. I like being in charge. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good. It's a good strength. It, it usually, I think, it's a fruitful thing, right? So, yeah. I mean, I everyone's so. there's flip sides so. to everything, but it wasn't long ago, Alan. I said something about like uh, I have a lot of crazy ideas. Uh, thankfully, I only vocalize about half of them, and even more thankfully, we only implement about ten percent of them. You know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'll be interested to hear what comes out on yeah. this show throughout right. the next many months. It's crazy, crazy ideas. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody who doesn't know this, Lovegood has just recently launched a computer line. Lovegood computers, Lovegood laptops. Love. I'm kidding, but this is an in-house joke right now because I've replaced my Apple logo on my laptop with a Lovegood sticker, and it happens to look smoking awesome. It does. It looks um, legit. And it makes me want to one day have an innovator in-house who can figure out how to, 
you know, eclipse Steve Jobs from the history books, you know, in terms oh, of technological that's... advancement. Is that even is that even thinkable, possible? I mean, I'd say, oh, of course. Dream big. <laughs> I love that. I mean, as long as you're not hanging out in the realm of dreams your whole life. That's like, it. But I, I, there's always room for that to happen. It yeah. could possibly happen. There's the, the gamut of things that could happen <laughs> is far, far reaching. I feel empowered by that. Good. So I'm never going to like slam an idea down. <laughs> Although that's, that reminds me of yesterday we were in a meeting and somebody said something and Jimmy was like, that's interesting. <laughs> Not case study interesting, but it's interesting. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it was great, but it worked. Listen, everybody, in the context of the conversation, it worked because I think there was something about a case study, yeah. but I took that yeah. phrase and pocketed it for a rainy day. I was like, someday when someone says something that's not interesting, I'm going to say, interesting. Not like a case study, but <laughs> interesting. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm excited. This is, uh, this is a fun conversation we're about to have. It really has a lot to do with words and their meanings and the importance of things like there's a there's a balance here i think for me anyways between like taking life seriously but like never taking myself too seriously i was just chatting with Mm. the cimarelli sisters about that not too long ago and that's like very much something they excel at they are so goofy online they're so goofy Mm -hmm. in person but there's like substance and depth behind every one of them and almost every word that they speak like it's just intentional you know yeah well so we talk about like loving what is good and becoming what you love. Pretty cool sounding string of words, right? Right. I think we're still trying to process what that means in terms of, for example, media consumption. You know, h- how do we intake music and books and art, films that help us love what is good? How do we even like have that somewhere in our frame of reference when we go to the movies, when we turn on the radio, when we're curating our own Spotify mm-hmm. playlists. I think what we're talking about here is intentionality, you know? Right. And asking, like, what is the correlation between what I'm ingesting and who I'm becoming Ooh. or failing to become, you know? Wow. Like, and what you said about the intentionality thing and having a sense of humor, though, at the same time. I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to figure that out myself personally, but because it's weird. I'm that weird mix of like being a melancholic romantic. So I'm just constantly being thwarted and disappointed, which is not good. <laughs> so I'm like trying to figure out. Actually, there's a, I think it was the guy who wrote The Princess Bride. He said, cynics are just thwarted romantics. <laughs> and I think that's true. Like whenever I see cynicism arise in myself, really what it is, it's the cover for a fragile heart. You know what I mean? And I so like I that. always try to examine that. Yeah. But I can I can numb it out too based on what I'm ingesting. Like yeah. and I've done that before for sure. It's like Netflix binges and stuff. It can be fun. It can be really good media, but I don't know, there's so many different ways we could take the conversation of like what is a coping mechanism? What is actually helping me engage more effectively with the people in my life and my own interior dialogue? What is yeah. hindering that? Is it even a worthwhile conversation? I say absolutely, since we're all pretty much inundated by technology and media all the time. So, well, like, and like most things for me, I feel like this all just really comes down to beer. Let me explain. Mm-hmm. All right. I refused Natty Light in college. I refuse even today to drink light beer. It's like reduced fat ice cream or decaf coffee. Well, it doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Yeah. Right. So somewhere along the way, my dad turned me on to IPAs, mm-hmm. which I think you have to have a certain amount of hair on your chest to appreciate an IPA. <coughs> women like them too. Well, I mean, true. there are maybe some hairy women. Even I- as I said it, I realized uh, I, 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 I spoke too soon. <laughs> 
and too fast. Maybe it's an acquired taste. Because my mom we likes say IPAs, that. and she's about as feminine and beautiful as they come. Sure. All that to say, you have to have a certain elevated taste, okay. I think, to yeah, handle yeah. it. You mm-hmm. know, it's like a good scotch. Frankly, it's a lot like the coffee we're all drinking around around the house right now. Like. Mm-hmm. Rembrandt's good coffee. Oh man, they're roasting. Yeah, I don't know how many beans a day down there in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We had the privilege of being their exclusive online distributor, mm-hmm. which is basically just our highest level patrons getting their coffee every few months. Yeah. It's good. It is so hard to ever want to put milk and sugar in that bad boy. It's also really hard to ever settle again for Folgers or gas yeah. station coffee. Yeah. Uh, the parallel for for me is is kind of simple here with media. That like when I was growing up. The best movie of my childhood was probably Austin Powers. Really? Like, I don't want to admit <laughs> how many times I've seen each version of that movie, the trilogy, you know? Yeah. Did you even know there's a trilogy? There's three of them. I only know of The Spy Who Sagged Me. Yeah. I, I don't I, know. I don't think I heard of anything beyond that. That's such a vague, far-gone memory. I it, never even saw it. It is ever-present to me, Elena. <laughs> and this is the problem. Like, it's like deeply imprinted on your subconscious mind. Yes. And it's part of why my level of humor has never really advanced. You know? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, humor. Humor is under, another great topic. Yeah. You know? And... No, I mean we can do we can go there. We could go there. So yeah. what's interesting then is if it's true of beer, if it's true of coffee, if it's true of 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 movies, you know, it seems to me increasingly it's become true of music and books. Like I most of the time would rather read a book than read a blog. I'd also rather read a great work of literature than a work of like mod, typical modern fiction, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also find that like actually in high school and college when I started to kind of find these Christian alternatives to what I might call like pretty ugh, mainstream media, it just got kind of old and boring, rusty even, you know, like I just, I wasn't inspired. It left me wanting, you know? So it's interesting because for most of the last seven or eight years living in a town like Nashville, I've been exposed to a lot of beautiful, true, good media and culture and, and artistic expression. And uh, it makes me feel more human. I'm not sure mm-hmm. I can tell you why, mm-hmm. but it does. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you're you're kind of saying that it seems to be that acquiring a taste for things that are meaningful, like that's something that actually has to occur in order to be even aware enough. That's it. To appreciate something, which that does make sense. I think that's totally true. Although, even as you were speaking, I thought to myself, would I rather have to drink like one tiny little cup of very good coffee? <laughs> only in the day or four kind of watered down, not so good cups of coffee. What's your answer? Well, that's where I have to admit I'm kind of a caffeine addict. And so I make exceptions. And I feel like that's at the heart of a lot of just default falling into media that's actually not really worth your time. You know what I mean? We're a bit addicted whether we realize it or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a compulsion. Yeah. And I see that in myself. Like if I'm sitting at like an office or something and there's those gossip magazines, I mean, I'll sit there for a minute. (laughs) I don't have an iPhone anymore, so I'm not scrolling through it. But then I'll be like, well, might as well see what Angelina Jolie's up to. I mean, why not? And it's like, it's garbage. And as I, when I leave, I'm kind of like, that was a waste of time. I mean, there wasn't really anything else I could have been doing or is there? I mean, maybe I, maybe I could have been thinking about something that I should be working through, that I'm avoiding working through, and I have a space of time where Mm. I don't have to be holding my baby, and I could have used that time more effectively. Mm. So that's just an interesting part of this whole conversation Mm. is 
How much do our compulsions, you know, how much are those actually the motivation for what we choose to look at or not look at and mm. ingest or not ingest? And then how much of that hinders us from developing a taste that would allow us to kind of tap into reality more yeah. effectively? Yeah. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. And I just did this, uh, maybe it was back in the springtime, a 90-day media fast, for lack of a better phrase. Like I just got off social media, got off Netflix. I only re-downloaded Netflix about a month ago. Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty happy to say I've only watched two episodes of uh, fourth season of Madam Secretary. It happens to be one of my addictions. I love I've political dramas. Yeah. The West Wing, uh, Designated oh. Survivor. This is really honing in on the inner ego that actually just wants to be president of the United States one day. All right. Uh, it's a problem. I love those kind of shows. I, I mostly just love watching leadership unfold and leadership yeah. in action and, yeah. you know, strong but humble leaders. So all that to say, I think I've actually weaned myself off. Sure. You know? Probably your your brain chemistry changed a bit. Uh, yeah. How does that work? I mean, they, they say, what, 21 days, three weeks for a habit, but like right. three months for it to kind of almost rewire you? Right. That's Something crazy. Like that. Yeah, it is fascinating. Which, and I think it's really important to remember that too, where speaking from my own experience, I think a, through a lot of my life, I've tended to fall back on spiritual jargon to prevent myself from doing the real work of something. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, because you can't pray yourself out of everything. Mm. Like you can, of course, ask for assistance, you know, seek God or a higher power. You seek something bigger than yourself to help you get out of whatever hole you're in. But you got to do the work too. Like, mm. so you have to do some, <laughs> you have to implement actual change, you know, like, and sometimes I found that even just changing one thing in my routine, it really does help the way I look at everything. Like some days I even, I'll like brush my teeth with my left hand and just try to do something that exercises the brain in a different way. Cause I'm very interested at looking at different angles. You know what I mean? And finding different modes of thinking and being easier said than done, but it has to be done though. Cause no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah. And you can't just think about it and make it a, a brainchild that never is born, mm. <laughs> you know, like, so that's really neat, though. Good on you. 90 yeah. days is a, a it was long intense. Haul. I did it with like seven or eight of my best friends. And yeah, like honestly, I've lost my taste for a lot of things. So I'm, yeah. I'm struggling through this right now because like I have obviously recognized the power of social media. And like I honestly right. would, would love to one day <laughs> – this is again this sort of like inner ego coming out. But wouldn't it be cool if we just sort of like infiltrated Hollywood? You know, and like there was never. You mean like our this company? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean this company. I mean you and me and and the rest of us, yeah. uh, our patrons, our apprentices, our entire team. Like, wouldn't it be cool though if if there was some level of um, standard? You know that that we're not talking about like everything being perfect. This this is not what what true good and beautiful means. It's not about perfectionism. It's not about painting a rosier picture than is actually real. It, it is, in fact, about the real. It is about reality, or as you put it earlier, meaning. You know, like we, most of us live in a little bit of a fantasy, you know? Mm -hmm. Could you just quickly define for me that word absurdity? Absurdity. Yeah, because I think that's where I find myself half the time. I was like, ah, this, there's something that's not right here. Right. You well, know? I do know that like the Latin root, certus, is, it means deafness. So absurdity, I, I guess that would mean... Like a deafness to reality. I guess like a deafness, yeah, like to be cocooned to the point of being unable to apprehend life as it actually is or something. Which, yes, I think all of us to varying degrees for varying complicated reasons 
there are areas in each of us that are very tightly cocooned. Yeah, yeah. well said. Well yeah. said. And I think a, a big part of our hope as these conversations continue to unfold is that we would just consider being more intentional about not just the media that we consume. That's obviously what Love Good is built upon. Awesome. But more than that, we want to we want to be intentional people, period, you know? So it's it's one thing to kind of curate music, books, and art with the transcendentals. It's a whole nother thing to apply them to your life, mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. live in a way that is honest and authentic and true and wholesome, that inspires people to live better, to live more in a, in a place of freedom, out of a place of freedom and integrity and joy. You said this earlier. I can't wait to have this conversation, you know? But like joy is sort of a great apologetic for life. You know, Mm -hmm. like you really want to Mm -hmm. convince somebody of a way of living, let them see your joy, you know? And I think this is what most of us long for and are missing as long as we just keep scrolling on our screens. It's joy, real joy. I think so. Yeah, I think because it does, like I think joy does require engagement, a certain kind of engagement with reality. Like it's, it's not a sentimental fluffy thing, you know, but I guess one question I had as you were saying what you just said there was, um, do you think it's realistic to think that every single decision you or I make in a given day, whether it's what we watch Hmm. or eat or do, should it, should it contribute to the betterment of the common good? Should it contribute to my and your ability to be more fully realized human beings or is that just too intense like what do you what do you think i'm I, curious i guess i want to be in such a rhythm with goodness that i can live with true spontaneity you know like i i would like to be unpredictably good mm-hmm. you know i want to be the kind of good that doesn't make sense yeah. because you cannot ever see it coming you know that's my kind of roundabout way of saying i think that like living intentionally is not easy, but it gets easier with time. And it's not even that we're always aware that every single moment and decision is ordered towards a higher good. I kind of like to have that awareness more often than I do. But to kind of have that perpetual intention, I think that's pretty awesome. And I think that's something that the world notices, you know, and it it mostly means like half the time, just like owning our crap and and being being willing to clean up our own mess. Right. Yeah. And I do think, too, that there is an element of it, though, with that kind of, I guess, habitual intentionality Hmm. that if it becomes too cerebral and intense, it like you do you do lose spontaneity and levity. And I've seen that in myself. Like yeah. when I used to approach things in a very black and white binary way, really it was because it made me feel safer and it was more predictable. <laughs> it really closed me off to learning from other people. Yeah. So I feel like that's really where this all comes back to is is like, yeah, you can definitely build yourself into a worthwhile and decent human being based mm. on what you're reading and taking in. But if you're not able to listen to another person who's sitting across from you with whatever crap they've brought and that you've brought and you're not able to appreciate that you are on the same level. Mm. It's like all of that would be for naught, you know? Like, so that's, it's funny. It's both and. It's both an exercise and a discipline that you have to undertake on your own, Mm. but it's also otherness. Like Mm. being available to the other, I think is really fundamental to like, living a, a worthwhile life and and remembering too this is going to sound really grim but like we don't have a ton of time so i think 
I mean, I don't know if that's part of your temperament, but I, I, since I was a kid, I've pondered the meaning of death <laughs> and like life and, and just this finite veil of tears. Uh, you know what I mean? But really, like, you kind of have to light a fire under your butt sometimes and like just remember, again, and not to not become somber and sullen about that, but for that to actually make you more spontaneously available to whatever person enters into your realm of acquaintance. And maybe, you know, eventually becomes a friend, a companion that you're walking along with. Like, I've just been continually surprised by so many quality human beings Mm. that I've met who I otherwise wouldn't have seen. Like, if I had remained in my mode of being, which was, it's all up to me to figure out how to make myself the best I can be, Mm. (laughs) which is actually really arrogant. But it's kind of like, like John Steinbeck has that quote. I wonder how many people I've looked at my whole life and have never even seen. And that hit home for me when I first read it because it was like a gut check. I was like, yeah, I, I do that. You know, like there are so many people I've never really seen because mm. I've just been too enmeshed and cocooned in my own agenda. So it's, that makes sense. Finding that balance between, it's very paradoxical, I guess. Like figuring out how to not be cocooned, but not making it this super intense angle you know, with which you scrutinize everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, I think it's an intentionality that gives way to receptivity, you know, and encounter. And uh, even that sounds really nice, but I think what it really (laughs) means is are we willing to always just stop dead in our tracks, you know, and encounter, like really encounter the true, the good, and the beautiful. And that's mostly going to be people every step of the way. Well, Mm -hmm. Alana, as always, what a joy uh, to be continued next week. All right. Yeah, so I don't know if that's the first time you've ever heard a conversation with Alana Boudreaux or maybe you've seen her live or you're familiar with her music, but it's always like that, you know, so next level. For the seven or eight years we've been friends, it's always kind of been this, for me, constant gut check of elevating the conversation, of raising my standard. And I just love it, you know, especially this conversation at the end that we had about absurdity really being defined as deafness, how easy it is to go through life blind and deaf, right? To to really miss out on the miracles of so many moments. So what does it look like for you? What does it look like for me to live intentionally? Maybe not like obsessively so, but to live intentionally, to never take ourselves seriously, but to never miss a moment at the same time. So anyways, really excited about being back with Atlanta in two weeks. Next week, we actually have Matt Marr coming into the studio. That's pretty exciting. All right like really exciting. Matt Marr is someone that I had the privilege of doing some tour management for years ago. Uh, He's remained a friend really at a distance and it's been really fun to reconnect recently. We're going to be talking about his Christmas album and also making a very special announcement, a Love Good exclusive announcement with Matt Marr next week. So make sure you're tuned into that. I also told you guys at the beginning of the show, I was going to let you know how you could come out to some Love Good events coming up. So go to Love Good Culture 
Ministry.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll see a series of events, both speaking engagements that I'm involved with all over the world, as well as some really cool, intimate, love good fireside concerts that we have coming up really all over the Southeast and the Midwest, as far as I know. So if you live in any of those parts of the country, of the United States, we want to see you. Reach out, go to lovegoodculture.com, scroll to the bottom, send us an email, and we can get you all the details. Also, if you want to actually book a Love Good event, if you want to bring in one of our artists, if you want to bring me in, let's say you've got like seven or eight friends who you think would all become patrons if I just came into your home and had dinner with them, I would show up. I know that sounds insane, but we're right now involved in a race to a thousand patrons and we pretty much, or at least I pretty much will do anything if it means inspiring one more person to get on board with this movement. So anyways, please don't hesitate to reach out. Lovegoodculture.com slash events if you want to request one, if you want to get in touch with me directly. I'm pretty pumped. I really think we are growing and in an exciting, exciting moment where we could hit a tipping point that really brings our movement beyond anything I've probably ever even said out loud, but have been dreaming of since day one. So anyways, we love you guys. We know that you're on the front lines. You are what this movement is all about. Keep building a better culture. Keep learning how to love what is good so you can become what you love and change the world. And I dare say so many of you are already doing that and certainly inspiring me every step of the way. We'll see you guys next week. Hope you're having an amazing day. And yep, Matt Marr will be with us in a short seven days. We'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in to season two of the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Stay in touch on social media and be sure to stop by iTunes or Stitcher to give us a review. You can join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at lovegoodculture.com. Start enjoying our seasonal packages that will raise your standard for media and inspire you to build a better culture. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.